0: Hello and welcome to the Paranormal Sun, coming to you live from Tower Studios. I'm JT, and each week I'll be your tour guide as we explore the unexplained. Tonight uh, is just going to be a brief uh, summary of the last two parts of my kind of top cases. Um, I covered over UFOs and cryptids in the last episode. Um, Now I'm going to just cover over some of my other favorite mysteries in a couple of other fields so it just gives gives you an idea of how big a uh, a, a genre this really is I mean, um, you know, I basically sat down tonight for a few hours with a pen and pad and, and wrote down some cases, and the UFO one, um, I wrote down 20 cases, and I very easily could have written down 50 or more. But um, again, these are just not only some of the most famous, but also some of my favorites, my personal favorites, cases that have influenced me or have really made me ask myself, uh, you know, what, what's out there? What, what else is in this universe that we don't know about? So um, without much ado, I'll get straight into it. So first I'm going to cover over some kind of ancient mysteries, either earth mysteries or mysteries of uh, mankind. You know, we we don't necessarily know why they built certain things, where they came from, um, and so on. Uh, so the first, the first of these are the Nazca Lines, and I think that most people have seen the Nazca Lines. If you haven't, um, they're the drawings in um, the Chilean desert, uh, many times, um, you know, larger than life. So you'll, you'll have some like hummingbirds and ants and that that are, you know, many hundreds of feet long. And you can only see them properly either from hilltop or from the air. And this has led to a lot of speculation. I know that Eric Von Doniken, when he wrote his books, uh, Chariots of the Gods being the the key one, um, you know, he asked the question, could have these been created, you know, by UFOs or were they created for UFOs? Uh, And when you look at them, it is very uh, compelling, to say the least. You know, you, you would think to yourself, how would people on the ground do this? I have seen documentaries on how they suggest that these were created uh, by the natives without any input or without any anyone from above uh, looking at them. But um, yeah, I mean, look, I've also seen documentaries on how they built the pyramids that I put no stock in. I remember there was a there was a, a a case in the 70s that a Japanese television program, you know, put out this uh program about building the pyramids and they they basically failed. You know, they 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 tried, they brought in cranes and everything else at the end to try and make it up, but they they still failed. So all I'm saying is that many of these things are still even even if they're not unexplained they're there, we, we can see them, we can touch them, we can feel them. How they were built and more importantly why they were built um, is, is definitely not explained. You know you may have some oral traditions but generally we don't know why our ancestors built a lot of these and, um, and why they're there. So uh, you know the Nazca Lines in Peru, and um, I, I think they're in Chile. Sorry, not Peru. Uh, very, very uh, anomalous. Something that's that's definitely piqued a lot of people's interests. Um, I remember as a boy reading um, reading uh, Time Life books, seeing them on seeing the ads on TV, and that was one of their real marketing points was the Nazca Lines. So so that's quite a fascinating one. Um, again, all some of these photos of these different famous cases, I'll try and share to the Facebook and Instagram pages just to kind of uh, let you say, oh, that's right. I, I know what that is. I have seen that before. Now, one of the next ones that I wanted to cover over is not so much man-made, but it's it's definitely a interesting um, anomalous area, something that a lot of people don't necessarily know is has, has got a lot of uh, mystery and background to it, and that's Death Valley, California. So for those of you who aren't from Southern California or haven't been in that area, Death Valley is um, the lowest spot in the continental U.S. I know that for a fact. Uh, I'm not sure about North America, but it's, I think it from memory, it's about 300 feet below sea level. Uh, it's also um, barren, desolate, and ungodly hot in the summer. You know, it's uh, into the 120 Fahrenheit plus. So for you, those of you who uh, don't use Fahrenheit, you know, we're talking the 50 55 celsius uh, temperatures um it's really remote like i say uh there's not a lot around it it's a national park for a reason uh and there have been many cases of you know people being found in the in the park i mean bodies skeletons being found in the park um and they didn't walk there they didn't um They didn't walk from a neighboring farm because there's nothing out there. Uh, So, look, Death Valley is very interesting, and there have been all kinds of legends around Death Valley, um, all the way back to the uh, Native Americans. There are stories that go back uh, saying that uh, just a few thousand years ago, Death Valley was uh, a series of lakes and that again, um, giants lived in this area and that eventually the giants got into conflict with the Native American tribes. There are stories about a, a doctor finding one of these giant bodies uh, buried in a, in a mountain in Death Valley and that he found tunnels that went 20 30 miles in and under Death Valley um, also something a lot of people don't realize but um, the very infamous Charles Manson spent a large amount of time in Death Valley planning his uh, planning his uh, cult the you know the family the Manson family he spent time there with several of the women that he um, that he brainwashed and and um, planned murders there. Um, he he definitely really liked Death Valley for the fact that it was remote, and uh, his feeling was that there was no one there to enforce society on him and the family. So yeah, for you, those of you that don't know, there is a very sinister connection with Charles Manson. The family, the Keepers of Doom, uh, they were all in and around Death Valley on more than one occasion, and I know that Manson spent several months out there. Um, yeah, so th- so that's that's another correlation, something that a lot of people aren't aware of. Uh, many people that I know who have spent time in and around Death Valley or even traveled through Death Valley have told me they get an ominous feeling, so you know that feeling you get sometimes um, you don 't know why uh, you know uh, it 's hard to explain if you haven 't felt it, but you know some people when they 're young especially they 'll walk past a graveyard and your your hair will stand on end you 'll get goosebumps that kind of feeling and um, i 've known a few people who have been to Death Valley for different things and they they said that they always felt like they were being watched. Um, And and that's a sensation that I described in an earlier program, Uh, you know, just feeling watched, feeling observed. And who knows, you know, who knows what it is? Could it be spirits? Could it be demons? Could it be uh, something in another dimension? your guess is as good as mine but um death valley is is definitely something that uh, has always fascinated me um another one in that vein is the superstition mountains in um, new mexico so the most famous legend around the superstition mountains is uh the legend of the lost dutchman's gold which anyone who's done any time learning about um, mysteries of the Old West or uh, lost treasures around the world. The Lost Dutchman Mine is a really fascinating one. And the story of that basically goes that a, a Dutchman who was actually German, uh, at least according to the story, he was on his deathbed and he told his cleaner to pull a box out from under his bed. And in that box, he had several pieces of very rich gold ore and um, that he, he gave this gold to her. And he disclosed to her the location of his mind now if you go back and you you go through some of the histories you know um, there were uh Spanish and Mexican. Uh, people who came into the southern part of the US because back at that time it was all part of Mexico and that was all part of the Spanish Empire and so there are stories going back at least until back to the 1700s and some to the 1600s about lost mines in the southwest uh, that Spanish miners went there to prospect, found them you know, got into fights with Indians and had to abandon these mines. So one of the stories about the lost Dutchman mine is that it was, he found a mine that was earlier lost by uh prospectors the Peralta family I believe that's a really fascinating one um the superstition mountains there are other stories uh, there have been a lot of UFOs cited in the superstition mountains there are stories of uh, you know ancient uh, evil being there from some of the Indian tribes so I've always found the superstition mountains quite quite uh quite an interesting topic um The next one is uh, something that's been fairly recent uh, in my studies. But it's one of the most terrifying things that I've actually heard of, uh, and this is the Hoyabaku Forest in Romania. So when we think of that trope of the haunted forest, uh, like I say, you know, uh, going back for some of us all the way back to things like Scooby Doo, and they break down and they're close to a graveyard and a haunted forest. Hoiabaku Forest is is the epitome of this, and some of the stories that I've heard, um, you know, it's pretty sparse because number one, it's in another country, it's in another language and number two again as i say this seems to be something that's been fairly recent to the paranormal um field in the west uh people talking about this because again just remembering that romania was under communist rule for 50 years it's only a lot of this has only come out recently But, um, you know, there are all kinds of stories in the Hoya Baku Forest of there being uh, UFOs, spirits, demons, witches. Um, I can tell you in this part of the world, one of the most famous uh, folklore is um, Baba Yaga, which is in... I first got uh, exposed to this in D and D, and Baba Yaga was a supposed, uh, you know, mystic, but basically a witch, and she had a house that had legs, uh, like chicken legs. Um, and the house could pick up and move and walk and it's quite a fascinating story and uh, some of the anomalies that have happened in and around the Hoya Baku forest and some of the things that I've heard as people have gone there to try and study it it's um, it, it really seems to emanate a radiance of evil or um, apprehension for people so yeah that's look that's something that if you haven't heard of if, if you can find some good documentaries and that out there about it it's quite interesting and if I find any I'll, I'll try and bring them up. The next one I wanted to cover over is Easter Island. So, um, most people know about the moai or the carvings, the the, the epitomous heads on Easter Island, but there's also uh, a, another mystery, and to me, a much more interesting mystery, and um, that is the mystery of the writing on Easter Island. So they found many stones that have been carved um, in an ancient dialect called Rongo Rongo. I think it's Rongo Rongo. I'm, again, sorry if I get any of this wrong, but um, the script is is quite interesting, and some of it will be spiral so it will look like a coil of rope rolled up, etc. And they've never deciphered this. And it's been found all over in the tunnels under the island and the, the sea caves and that. And again, this is, you know... Uh, to me this as time has gone on and i've learned more and more about it um the moai are definitely a, a mystery and anomaly something i'd like to know more but uh, the script the actual script is 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 even more fascinating to me um yeah so so uh yeah easter island is is, is right up there uh, atlantis atlantis mu lemuria All of these kind of lost continents and uh, lost cities that sunk into the sea. Atlantis would have been one of the very early influences on me that I really got uh, enamored with the paranormal and and kind of ancient mysteries especially. Atlantis would have been one of the key early ones for me. So um, yeah, Atlantis is... Obviously one of the most famous legends in 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 modern times that you know people have heard of, and uh, Atlantis goes back to Plato, who heard it from Solon, who was one of his ancestors. Solon uh got this from some priests in a temple in Egypt, and they basically talked about this super powerful uh race. That uh, was based uh, beyond the Pillars of Hercules was the uh, was the terminology, and that this this island or continent sunk in a day and a night, and it basically sunk into the sea, never to be found again. And uh, I've always been fascinated by Atlantis, uh, the thoughts that potentially you could have had a great uh, a, a great deluge that would destroy this continent, and then the um, the further. Uh, the, the, the great um, migration of people from this island uh, or continent. And there are so many legends and, and, and so many thoughts that Atlantis was basically the cradle of modern civilization. From Atlantis, uh, the people went forth and, and, and taught the people of the rest of the world these things. So these high technology for their time uh, type of uh, uh, ancient civilizations have always fascinated me. High Brazil, which is um, not named after the country Brazil. Uh, High Brazil was another one of these type of uh, civilizations that was supposedly based uh, between Ireland and America. Um, Some of the cases, some of the things I've gone back and read about High Brazil, I just find it quite quite fascinating. Again, it's something that... It's not as well known as Atlantis, for example, or Lemuria or Mu, but um, yeah, look, it's it, it's fascinating to me. High Brazil is is something that I've always always wanted to know more about. Um, there are theories that uh at the last ice age well it's not theories they know that there were land masses above water that are now below water um one of them was uh they they basically feel that england and france were connected it was all one solid piece of land there was no english channel uh because of the depths now um there were also islands in the dogger bank in that area in the shallow water that were flooded so yeah i, I again I, I find all of this this is our past this is where we came from and just because it's not written down doesn't mean it didn't happen uh the next one is the valley of death in siberia now it, again it, apologies it will have its proper name but um i only learned about this probably in the last five years again this is something where all kinds of phenomenon there ufos uh, uh people feeling anxious and nervous and sick people claiming they've been possessed on and on and on this this one and there's these kettles there in the ground, and for lack of a better term, they, they look like giant cooking kettles. Some of them are quite small, maybe the size of a bucket. Some of them are up to the size of kind of a spa pool or a, a hot tub. And and that's really interesting to me. Again, it's uh, many of these, as I, as I learn these kind of newer uh, cases or things that I haven't been exposed to, uh, you know, it, it just again, it piques my interest that I've had my whole life. And that's what allows me to, to keep it going and really enjoying it. So the next one is um, Nan Madol, which is in Ponape in Micronesia. Now, again, to me, for all of the cases of uh, Puma Punku in South America, Tiwanaku, uh, the pyramids in Egypt, all of these are fascinating. But the thing about um, about Nan Madol to me that is so amazing is it's basically on an island in the middle of nowhere in the South Pacific. Um, it's fascinating because the uh, the natives to ponape say that this wasn't there when they this was built when they when they arrived on ponape this was already there. Nanmadael was already there. That it was built by sorcerers that were um, the old rulers. And that these sorcerers built these these uh, islands. And again, you're talking about massive stones. Some of these are 30, 40, 50 tons. It's black basalt, which for those of you who don't know, it's very hard. It's very difficult to mine. You know, these stories of guys running around with, with other stones, breaking them down. I mean, it's nearly impossible for, uh, you know our ancient forefathers to do this without some kind of other help I'm not saying necessarily aliens but uh, you know could be anything from using levitation to lift the stones to using sound to break the stones down uh, again it's it, it's just really fascinating to me and to this day the the natives say that at night they will see lights in, in Nanmadol. they stay away from it they, they consider it as taboo or uh, cursed uh, it's not somewhere where they want to go they don't like to spend time there I've also seen some documentaries where people People have tried to use things like drones and that there and they don't work and the question is have these stones been magnetized you know um but whatever it is uh Madal for me is right there in, in in the top tier of mysteries to me that are amazing and i'd really like to know the answers to uh it's a huge site as well it's it's quite large it's just not so well known but it's several hundred acres of of stones and 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 kind of buildings there I'll try and uh, get a photo of that up because that won't be one of the most well-known ones. Uh, The next one is the Victorio Peak treasure. So again, this is another southwest treasure and Victorio Peak. Again, uh, apologies if I don't get it exactly right, but I want to say it's in New Mexico. And uh, apparently a guy in the 1930s uh, named Doc Nos, he found this fabulous treasure. He went into a room. He said he found uh, swords and Spanish helmets. So the old conquistador helmets with the crest on the top. Uh, And he found all of these black slabs of metal, which he assumed were iron. Um, It was quite difficult to get into this cavern, into this room. Uh, He had to wrestle through some stones. He had to climb down 40 feet. And the story goes that he hauled some of these, uh, you know, his wife at the time told him to haul some of these slabs of metal out. And they went to clean them off, and they were actually gold bars. And uh, the fascinating bit for me is that not only is it this massive treasure, I mean, it's been estimated to be worth several billion dollars in today's money, but um, more importantly, that basically the U.S. military took over this property in the 1960s when they were expanding White Sands, and there have been all kinds of rumors and legends that the military basically went in and took all this treasure out. And there are stories that this, uh, this treasure was accumulated by a um, Native American uh, chief in the 1860s, who was fighting against uh, uh, Europeans and um, the U.S. government, and that he accumulated this treasure, that he'd found it. Uh, but nevertheless, the, the story of this is really fascinating to me. And uh, so that's the Victorio Peak Treasure. The next one is is a bit of a, uh, a trope almost, or a bit of a uh, uh, dysphoria of an idea and that is the idea of Shangri-La or Shambhala so you know basically people who have read or heard of Paradise Lost and some of the other stories it's basically this idea that there's a, a city in the Himalayas and Everyone in the city either ages extremely slowly or they're immortal. And also uh, they seal themselves off from mankind because uh, we as humans, uh, as we sit, are too wicked. And until we find enlightenment, we are not allowed to see or interact with these these beings. Now, um, the story of Shangri-La is a, a, just that. It's a story. It was it was written in Paradise Lost. I uh, can't think of the author off the top of my head. Um, i think it was um uh, never mind i can't think of it i'll i'll put a link of it in the um in the in the show notes uh, but yeah this uh th- but the story of shambhala the the idea of shambhala is um is in is a part of the buddhist uh religion And um, it's definitely there. It's about finding enlightenment. So um, yeah, I've always found this fascinating. Again, I think the whole idea of Tibet, Nepal, this region has always been fascinating to me. I've always enjoyed movies like Kundun. I don't get so much into the political side of things and the, um, you know, the uh, any kind of undertone that people may be trying to draw from it. But it's just the actual. The actual background of these events. I find with so many of these stories, uh, you know white man comes along, basically, for lack of a better term, white man, Europeans come along and say, oh, it's all myths and legends. You're all uh, devil worshippers. You don't know what you're doing. We'll show you the light. And then several hundred years later, we find out, well, there was actually a grain of truth to this. Oh, well, you know, we found this city. We found this. We found that. And so um, I I do find that uh, our our ancestors as Europeans did us a great disservice by basically uh, plundering, looting, and uh, putting down all the people and basically telling them they're all crazy and they're all devil worshipers and now you just need to get into church and um you know we we know what's right you don't you're you're just a heathen uh so yeah i've always found these kind of things fascinating also uh kind of missing cities lost cities there are several in the sahara i know there are some in um you know other parts of the world, um, uh, Dwarka in India that uh, was supposedly sunk, and then later they found this city. So yeah, all of these things I've always found uh, you know they're they're right at the top level of my um, my fascination. So having covered over some of those ancient mysteries, mysteries of the earth, uh, things that some you may have heard of, some you haven't. The next thing that I wanted to cover over, and, and kind of last topic for for this program tonight is uh, spirits, hauntings, uh, demonic, and paranormal. So sorry to kind of lump them all together, but these are cases or instances, you know, I I just wanted to kind of cover them all over. So the first one that um, I've found fascinating ever since a a very close friend of mine and uh, a listener to the show first brought me uh, into contact with this is uh, the story of Alistair Crowley, the beast, the wickedest man in the world. Um, He was a self promoter. Uh, you know the the thing is uh, how much of it was actual. You know this guy being evil, this man being demonic, and how much of it was him trying to foster that that legend. And I would say that a lot of it was him trying to foster that legend. I've always been fascinated about the time that he spent in Burlesque and House, um, close to the shores of Loch Ness, and the stories that he was trying to summon the 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 demons of hell the the chiefs of hell as it were and that um you know the story goes that basically he got called away from from doing this summon which either took six months or a year it was quite a long ceremony and the fact that alistair crowley uh left and left it undone and the the story goes that uh, by doing that he basically uh allowed these uh these uh captains of hell to to stay in burleskin house on the on the um on the shores of Loch Ness, there are stories, if you go back, that in this house, even at a broad, you know, noon, where you should have the most light, that the house was always dark, it was always f- ominous. Uh, there were stories that the groundskeepers uh, always felt... Uh, felt uneasy going there. Uh, There have been all kinds of stories uh, since Aleister Crowley left the house uh, that, uh, you know, people hearing things, people seeing things. Uh, There are stories that uh, when Crowley was doing his uh, incantations that he laid down a fine river sand so that he could see the steps of these demons. And they say that to this day, if you lay down river sand, you will see footprints. Again, I don't know how much of this is true. I know that Jimmy Page bought the house. So Jimmy Page uh, from uh, Led Zeppelin, he bought the home in the 70s and he had many groups of people there. Uh, Jimmy Page, as most of the members of Led Zeppelin, he was really into the occult and uh, hidden knowledge, obscured knowledge at this time. And so he really... He really spent a lot of time in this house, but apparently um, you know, it weirded him out. Uh, it was a bit much even for Jimmy Page, and that's saying something. So yeah, definitely Alistair Crowley and uh, some of the stories I've heard about him summoning uh, uh, Mercury, uh, the Greek god Mercury um and that people on a stage in paris saw this uh saw saw mercury um to me that's one of the most fascinating things is uh you know could you summon a greek god Uh, there were also stories that he summoned um, certain shades of old greek and roman uh uh, mystics so shades being their spirits and that he learned from them yeah uh alistair crowley the man had a lot of failings don't get me wrong you know if you just take the occult aside the, the guy was a habitual habitual womanizer and um yeah, you know, he he uh he wrote the 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 book of the law and uh the 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 law of one and uh the story was, you know, he wrote it and the the law of one basically stated that uh do as thou wilt is the whole of the law. So basically, go out and de- be debaucherous. So um yeah, um the guy definitely had some some character flaws, but um nonetheless, I I found him fascinating. Uh, So the next one is the ghosts of the Tower of London. So the fact that over hundreds of years uh, there have been royals uh, seen here, spirits. Uh, There's cases of a phantom bear and other phantom animals. Because uh, one thing that's not well known is that uh, back in time, um, the the kings of England used to keep zoos here and they used to keep things like bears and lions. So there have been stories of people seeing phantoms uh, of, of these animals. And in a place like England, where you've got thousands of years of occupation and all kinds of uh, uh, trauma, for lack of a better word, you know, you've had war, you've had people die, horrific deaths for different things. um, I've got no doubt that this leaves some kind of psychic imprint at the very least. So um, the ghost of the Tower of London, I've always been interested in. Uh, I also remember a story recounted in England uh, that someone was digging a foundation and they saw a group of Roman soldiers, ghostly Roman soldiers, go marching through this site and through the wall. And when they went back, uh, you know, the story was that he could only see them from their waist up. And when it went back and they had people look into this, they found that the actual Roman road was down at foot level of these phantoms. And so the fact was that what he saw was obscured by the fact that he wasn't looking at the road as it was in Roman times. Now again, could this be some type of recording that the earth has managed to record this and it gets played back over and over? I I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. But again, I just find it fascinating. I don't see any reason why people all over the world of all all uh, uh ladders of society and all all rungs of life would all make up these stories i mean surely some of them are hoaxes but they can't all be hoaxes the next one is the brown lady of uh, Rayham hall now this is, I, I posted this photo on the Facebook group and also on Instagram. And, um, this photo, there's a bit of controversy about it. Uh, it could potentially have been faked. It could be a double exposure, but nonetheless, it's one of, it's one of the most famous ghost photos of all time. And, uh, that's why I really wanted to put it out there just to get people's attention because, um, yeah, uh, it, it's just one of those that, that's very interesting. And, um, you know, this, Rayham Hall, uh, there have been stories of it being haunted for at least 200, 300 years before there was photography. So even if the photo's fake, it doesn't necessarily mean that the hauntings are fake. Uh, The next one is uh, one of the more famous on this list, and that's the Amityville Hauntings. So the Amityville Horror, the story of it. I mean, there have been multiple movies and um, episodes and stories done about it. I won't go into too much depth uh, with it just because there's so much out there, you know. And most of you would have at least probably have heard the name the Amityville Horror. So, um, yeah, that, that one is quite interesting. Now, the next one here that's extremely, uh, this is an eerie one for me, and in fact, I'm getting goosebumps as I sit here and I I read about it to you. Um, This is the story of the Goddard Goddard Squadron Ghost. So this was a photo of a group of British military in 19... Nineteen, I want to say. Sorry, I didn't write down the date, but um, they were taking a squadron photo. So, for those of you who don't know, this would be similar to you taking your school photos or other type of photos where you have people standing in a group, and you've got you know generally shorter people at the front, taller people at the back. Well, there was a there was a man in the photo dressed like all the others, and um, you know, in looking at it, you would say, "Oh, well, what's the big deal?" So, you know, there's another person there. The scary part about this is this individual had walked into a propeller two days before this photo was taken so he had passed on he was dead definitely dead he died in a horrific accident and yet he appeared in this photo and this like i say things like this actually really give me goosebumps because this isn't a misty uh you know ball in a photo or an orb this is a photo and when you look at this photo i'll make sure to put it up you look at this photo there's no doubt that you're looking at one of these men you know this this one is quite quite interesting quite shocking Um, The next one is the SS Watertown ghost. So um, this is another one that's fascinating to me. Uh, The SS Watertown had uh, been at sea. Two men died. This was in 1924. I'm not quite sure how they passed away off the top of my head, but I know that they had passed away. Now, um, I believe they buried them at sea um now one of the one of the officers was watching the wake of the boat so when you stand on a boat or a ship and you look at the back the wake is where the engines are so they make the wakes in the water and he saw these two faces in the water and they you know they lack of a better term they look like your classic ghost or, or spirit these faces and they look to be tortured well um, you know he, took photos of them. I, I think from memory he took about nine photos and one of these photos turned out and it's one of the most iconic ghost photos of all time. And again, if you see this photo, you would know this photo, I'm sure. And again, I'll put that up. Uh, this is one of the ones that from an early age, I remember seeing this photo and just being fascinated by it again. Uh, now, I believe after after the the, um, the officer took the photos, um, they weren't seen again. Uh, I could be wrong there, but it's almost as if by acknowledging that they were seen, by acknowledging that people knew, uh, you know, they'd, they'd seen them, they were allowed to move on or or disappear or whatever. So that one was very interesting. Now, another one in this genre that I've always just been fascinated are the tales of past lives and especially young children. So uh, some of these stories of three, four, five-year-olds telling stories of, uh, you know, there was a famous case of a boy saying that he was basically a a pilot in World War II and he died when his plane crashed. Um, And there are many others of this. And as people tend to age, as they grow up from being, you know, four, five, six, seven, it's like the memories fade. It's almost. like there's a connection to a former life and now they've been tied into this current life and as they age it fades but there have been stories about some of these uh uh young young boys especially i'm not going to say there aren't any young 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 girls who have gone through this but young boys some having gone and met uh met other soldiers that um that that person who had died uh, had been with so there there was a case of uh, one of the boys that i i listened to you know he basically went to a reunion with some of these other guys from world war Two, and um these guys basically uh, were in tears these uh 90 year old men, you know, 80, 90 year old men, because, um, this guy could recount to them, Hey, yeah, this is what happened. My plane took off. I went this direction. My plane crashed. I couldn't get the canopy open and I died. Uh, you know, and, and he knew these other people's names. He knew their nicknames. He knew what they like to be called. So, you know, you might have someone and his name's Robert, but everybody on ship, you know, called him Bob. And, um, that's how the boy would refer to him. Yeah. These, these instances are just, again, I find eerie and it makes you, you wonder, um, Is it residual, you know, energy? What happens when we die? Um, You know, do we come back? Is there reincarnation? And so from a young age, this has always fascinated me. Um, The next one is uh, the newbie church ghost. Now, again, this is one of the most famous ghost photos of all time. This is a photo of uh, someone, it looks like, in black garb with a with a contorted face looks like they're screaming almost the best way to describe it without you looking at a photo is looks kind of almost like the mask from the scream movies or um, looks like uh, you know, a horror type mask. And again, this photo has been looked at and analyzed, and there's no evidence that the photo was tampered with. There's no evidence of a double exposure. There have been people saying that it was all put on, but this photo was taken by a priest. Now, again, Priests are humans too. I get that, but at this time in the '60s in England, the clergy were very unlikely to, uh, you know, go about uh, perpetrating a hoax for no real reason. And again, what do you gain by this? Oh, my 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 uh, my abbey or my church is haunted. Well, that's not really going to draw more parishioners, now is it? You might get some sightseers, but that's going to be about it. Um, and the last one in this category that I was just going to very quickly cover over is the idea of curses. So. There, There's a, a, a case that I really wanted to uh, cover over for the show, but I couldn't find it in time. And um, this was a story of, uh, it was either in Scotland or Ireland, and this was in the 1400s. And there was a visiting, um, quote unquote, you know, holy man or religious type person. So he wasn't he wasn't from a church, but he was uh, he was feared. Everyone feared him because of the curses that he would lay on him and the hexes that he would lay on it on on people and uh, and buildings. And so. Uh, The story goes that this particular castle, uh, they left their door open uh, because, uh, you know, back then you would ride up to a castle or an estate and you would have these huge gates at the front. So you couldn't just ride right up. It would be like your your house gate. You would have a, you know, like... in in your current house, you might have a drive that would go down 50 or 60 uh, feet, and then you would have a gate at the end. So, um, as a mark of respect, they left the gates open so that he would know that he was welcome to enter. Now, a freak gust of wind came along and blew the gates closed. And he took this as an affront. So when he got there, the gates were closed in his face. So he cursed the family and he cursed the property. And this, um, this, this uh, soothsayer or witch uh, warlock whatever you want to call him he he cursed the family and he basically said that there were three stones on the property and that until all three stones were gathered together the family would be cursed and again I can't exactly remember the story but I know that uh, there were things uh, some of the stories about the um, the uh, the inheritance and um, you know the men of the male line dying of uh, unexpected, unexplained deaths, dying earlier, So I'll try and find that. And again, I'd love to carry that over for another episode. And there are other curses, of course, you've heard of. The Curse of the Hope Diamond is one. Uh, There's the Dybbuk boxes, which seem to be kind of all the rage in the last few years online. And, um, you know, some of these curses, the the Pharaoh's Curse is one of the most famous ones. King Tut's Curse, as the saying goes, that when they dug up uh, King Tut's tomb, that um, Howard Carter and everyone else was cursed. I remember hearing about that from a young age. So, um, you know, that's that's curses, curses, hexes, for lack of a better term. And again it 's just something that i 've always found fascinating that by someone laying a few words on you that they can actually influence and uh, and cause bad things to happen to you whether it 's true or false um, you know i do I do feel that there's much more to the human mind than than we are aware of there's much more that people can do with their thoughts and mental powers than um, science has explained so far uh, it is it look it's again it's I, I, I know I keep using the word over and over but it's it 's just been fascinating to me. So, um, yeah, that pretty much covers over a, a pretty good uh, caseload of uh, things that i found interesting, and, and especially some of those that really stand out to me. Um, there are many more. There are many, plenty here I'm sure I've missed. And um, if you can think of any that you'd really like me to cover over or give my thoughts on, uh, feel free to, to hit me up. You can drop me an email. Um, you can send a comment on Instagram or uh, Facebook, or on the podcast, you can leave a a voice message. So, you know, that's part two. And I hope that you found some value in that. Again, uh, from the bottom of my heart, thanks for listening. And um, I'll get to work on that next episode. And I'll talk to you soon. Uh, Take care, everyone. And I hope you have a great day.